Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, welcome back. And as we start, I have to give credit to this fabulous outfit, my sponsor, Betty Ritter, the Red Door Plaza at Preston Center. Stop in. For those of you who are new to the show, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background about who I am, Valerie Sokolowski. Yes, you knew that. I've had a leadership development firm for over 25 years and specializing in developing leaders' personal brand and their presence. And what's really important to me about that is to just really ignite the passion in those leaders to, to come across authentically and to stay the course of who they are. The show then is all about authenticity, so let's get going. All right, maybe this is a clue for who my guest is today. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Do you have any idea who might be behind the mask? Well, I've just been waiting for so long to have Sandra Joseph on the show. And let me tell you about this. Oh, my goodness. Sandra has an amazing story because of for over 10 years on Broadway, Sandra was the longest running role playing of Christine in Phantom of the Opera. She's with us today. Can you believe that? Let me tell you how often she played that long running role. Okay. She was on the stage <laughs> for six nights a week for 10 years, played to 140 million people in that production that had a $6 billion box office earnings. And she made history at the Majestic Theater in New York City by playing that role more than 1,300 times to sell out audiences of 1,500 every night most of the time. That to me is incredible. Sandra knows one thing for sure, that's the only way to have a truly fulfilling life is to recognize that the journey up is no substitute for the journey in. So we're going to delve deeply today into mostly Sandra, and Christine, two hats, same person. And now, will the real Sandra Joseph please stand up? <laughs> Not really. Sandra, welcome. Thank you so much, Valerie. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. As busy as you have been, I am so grateful to have you on the show. And Sandra, I want this to be a really different show today, a different interview. So what will that look like for you? A different interview for me is less focused on phantom and more focused on what, is, what about my journey 
is relatable to your viewers and listeners. I think we're all looking to each other at this moment in time for how can we become the most true, authentic version of ourselves and do that in a public forum like this, like an interview or like, we're, I think so many of us are challenged right now between the inner self and the public self, the out there self. So how do we find the truth in who we are in here and who we're presenting to the world? That's exactly what we will do then. And we're going to start with your book, Unmasking What Matters, 10 Life Lessons from 10 Years on Broadway. I had told you, Sandra, that I couldn't put it down. I even said transparently, my butt hurt because I stayed in one seat. And if you could see what I have tabbed and marked in the book, you'd know I'm really telling the truth here. It was fascinating. And we're going to talk about this book. Obviously, you know we have to ask the story. So let's get it over with. We want to know the story of you becoming Christine. Oh, thank you. I, and thank you for your kind words about my book. I, I, um, I love sharing the story of how I got the part because I do think it's, it's a story that so many of us relate to, no matter what it is we're going after in our lives. I was a, an insecure, shy kid from the Midwest who loved to sing, but I, I was afraid to do it in front of anybody, really, other than my stuffed animals in my bedroom. And the journey for me of coming out of my shell uh, and, and building my confidence was a long journey. It did not, I was not an overnight success. I moved from my hometown of Detroit to New York after college to pursue a career in theater. I did not land the part of Christine immediately. I, I had a five-year plan in mind that if I couldn't support myself within five years, doing this thing that I loved, then I would have to, you know, figure out plan B, probably move back to Michigan and, and try to get a real job. <laughs> so four and a half years into that five-year plan, I was flat broke doing the couch surfing thing in New York and maxed out all my credit cards, looking like it was time to quit and give up and admit that I was a huge failure. And luckily, just before I threw in the towel, I was given the chance to audition for the role of Christine in Phantom. And the first time I walked into that audition, I was still so terrified and overwhelmed just by the fact of where I was, that I was even getting to audition for a show like that in front of Hal Prince, the Steven Spielberg of Broadway, the famous director. I was frozen in fear and really did not express myself authentically. And I was given a lesser role, not the starring role that I was auditioning for. I was given a role in the chorus, which was great. And it allowed me to sort of get my feet wet and get a little less intimidated. The second time I auditioned for the lead, I was so enthusiastic that I wound up really overperforming and being kind of over the top and phony. And I did not get the part again. Finally, the third try, third time's the charm, I walked in in more of a space of surrender 
Uh, I really didn't think it was going to happen for me at that point. So I was able to sort of loosen my tight grip on it. And I said, may I be authentic? May I be present? And may I trust that that is enough, that I am enough. So that's the time that I was really in that place of flow that we all look for, whether we're performing on stage or performing in an office. It, it's really, it for me, it came down to the lesson of presence, authenticity, and surrender, really being coming from a place of gratitude and, and where the real confidence I think comes from is when we can recognize that no matter what the outcome, if we stay true to ourselves and we do our best, that's all that we're required to do and that, that we will be okay regardless of the outcome. So that was the third try and I finally got the part. <laughs> you know, many young people would have given up. Sandra, what kept you going? It's, it, it, it really didn't feel like an option to me to give up when I was still being, that carrot was being dangled in front of me. I just honestly wanted it so much. I wanted it with my whole heart. And I felt despite the external circumstances showing me that it wasn't going well, I still felt a conviction in my soul that this was the path for me, that this was, I was doing what I was meant to do at that time. So I just wasn't, wasn't willing to give up yet. I, I may have, if the five year mark had come, who knows? But um, I, I really was coming from love and passion and, and a, an enormous amount of drive back then. You know, don't you think, Sandra, that somewhere back in your early childhood, and I do want you to tell us that story, you, you were born to do what you did and now what you are doing, which I want to get to, you're now traveling all over the world as a speaker with this fun mask. And um, I love the, the idea of it. I'll let you tell us about it in just a minute. But I want to go back to that, that, persistence, that persistence that comes from the inner knowing, the inner knowing. Tell us about your inner knowing. When did that happen for you? Yeah, I... I I feel like I knew from the start and everyone's different, right? Sometimes we come in uh, with a deep sense of knowing almost in a precognitive way that there's this particular path for us, but it doesn't always come to, to us like a bolt from the blue. Sometimes we just feel a curiosity about something or a little whisper of intuition. I did sense from a very early age that singing and being on stage and performing was something I just longed for. And that was, I just saw, I sort of felt it and saw it in a way that, that I can't explain. And I believed in some quiet pocket of my heart that it was possible for me. I have no uh, reason to have believed such a thing. <laughs> being 
from Detroit where I, I didn't know anything about Broadway. I didn't know anything about New York. I didn't know anyone who had ever been there. It's, you know, in some way it was the most outrageous thing in the world, but I had this little quiet pocket of belief that it was possible. And if, and, and I do believe that it starts there. It starts with, we have to believe in our dreams. We have to believe in ourselves in order to begin the journey that will of course include a lot of obstacles. But the, the beginning point is taking responsibility for our belief in ourselves and in our dreams. Sandra, you had a wonderful mentor, your dad, who was himself singing and acting. The turning point I found interesting in the book was your story about that Christmas and what you found in the stocking. Yes, I was so fortunate to grow up in a household where the arts were really appreciated and revered. My dad's heroes were singers and actors like Sinatra and Marlon Brando and Paul Newman. Those were like sports heroes to my dad. He really admired their gift. And my dad did do some acting around Detroit in some of the regional theaters. And when I was about eight years old in my Christmas stocking, there was a ticket to see the musical Annie at the Fisher Theater in downtown Detroit. And I counted down the days, marked them every day off on my calendar with a black magic marker until that February night when I finally sat in that red velvet seat and watched this girl up there who was about my size, my age, singing, acting, dancing, and I didn't even know what it was, but everything in my body started buzzing. And I, that was the moment where I was like, that's it. Whatever that is, I want to do that. And immediately, right in the same moment came, oh, who do I think I am? That will never be possible for me. And I do think that's one of the signs when we're onto something that's really perhaps meant for us. It often comes with, in the same breath, that's way too big for me, or a feeling of, I could never. So I encourage people always to really examine your, I could never beliefs and question them. Don't, don't let that be the end of the, of the conversation. Um, because a lot of, of what's meant for us lives right on the other side of the I could never believe. I can tell you are just so eager to talk about this new chapter in your life and the book. So let's go there for a few minutes, and then we'll pull back to some things that I want to ask about the Phantom experience. So tell us how you uh, left your role and became to where you are now. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I never dreamed that I would leave Broadway and leave performing. And again, I recognize as I say this, it sounds a little out there, maybe a little woo-woo, airy-fairy. <laughs> but again, it did come for me in, in a flash of knowing. Um, 
before I knew there was such a thing as a speaking career or a professional speakers industry, I did not know that was a thing one could do. But I was in the latter years of my 10 year run in Phantom and recognizing that I had performed the perfect role for me. It was so fulfilling and I kind of felt complete with that whole journey. And I knew in my heart that when I left Phantom, I wasn't just leaving Phantom, I was leaving Broadway, but I had no idea what I would do next. And I really was soul searching for quite some time, more than a year and not getting any answers, just journaling and praying and meditating and reading books. And I, I one night, finally, um, I was actually in a hotel room in New York, the Edison hotel. And my head hit the pillow and it was like I was watching a movie. I just got a download about I, I saw an image of myself standing on stage talking and singing, but not wearing a costume and not part of a show. I was speaking my own words and sharing my own story and encouraging people to go after things that felt too big for them just as my dream felt too big for me. And then once I had that image in my head, it was so clear, but I didn't know what the steps were to make that actually happen in the external world. But shortly thereafter, I was invited to speak for uh, my former choir teachers, high school for the performing arts. And that's where I thought my career would would lie as speaking to students, but it very quickly took off in a different direction that I never anticipated, which was in the business world. I started speaking to a lot of people in financial services and women's conferences and associations and even corporations. And it really was um, a, a great surprise to me and a, and a tremendous blessing, but I knew I had something to share that was relatable to people outside of show business, outside of that industry, that there are challenges that we all face that are universal. And that's where the book came from and the keynote speaking career, which I, I took off without uh, my really knowing what I was doing in the beginning. I had to do a lot of work to to really hone my craft in this whole new arena because being me out there was very vulnerable and very scary in the beginning. That to me was uh, like starting from, I went from being at the top of my career in the, in the pinnacle of my industry to being an absolute beginner. And I kind of had to be really lousy for a while before I, I kind of found my way of being authentic and being myself on stage. That is fascinating to me because my goodness, I can't imagine you were on stage all that time and yet, and yet you're saying that the next time and the next kind of stage, meaning what you're doing now was scary. That there's hope for all of us, Sandra. It's very scary. It's a very different thing to speak and sing someone else's words 
and tell a story that is tried and true and scripted, I, that is world apart from standing out there unmasked, no costume to hide behind, no character to hide behind. I'm just me. That was a huge departure. I was trembling the first time I took the stage to speak my own words. And I have many actor friends who say, oh my gosh, in a million years, I would not get out there as myself. That's a totally different animal. <laughs> it's much scarier. <laughs> Scary. Well, it's the number one fear, right? Getting up in front of audiences. So Sandra, your passion with all of this, if you had to kind of tell us in general how how much this book means to you to share with other people right now with me and our audience. What's this about? Oh, well, un unmasking what matters. You know, I, I, I wanted to share the best of what I have learned that has helped me to move through my own blocks and my own insecurities. And, you know, the title, of course, I'm not here to tell anybody I have the answers to what matters most. It's, it's an individual journey for each one of us to decide, but I've always felt a, a passion for not just going through the motions of our lives, but really looking at how we're living and looking at what matters. And when that got really poignant for me was the year after I left Phantom, two things happened. My father died suddenly, and I faced a really scary health challenge, uh, a brain tumor that wound up being nothing. I'm fine. Uh, but it was very scary at the time and threatened to take away my ability to sing based on the location on my brain stem. And boy, talk about looking at what really matters. I thought, Valerie, that given a diagnosis like that, that my, my voice being threatened, that I would feel this enormous urgency to play another role or start thinking about all the songs I wanted to record or something. But the urgency I felt had less to do with doing more things and it had much more to do with being, um, being who I really am, which for me, I had to admit that what was really in alignment for me, what I really wanted was less doing and more time to just be with the people I love, not be running so fast on the hamster wheel. I wanted to slow down. I wanted, again, to talk about the, the being level. You know, I got a lot of accolades and a lot of um, value. I felt valued because of my voice the talent that makes me different or special in some way. And now this, that was threatened to, might be taken away. So what I really was urgently seeking was the, to know that without this, without any external mask, 
without any of the, the doing things out in the world that I still have value, that I'm actually worthy without all of the things that I identified with out there that made me somehow special or unique. To recognize that we are each special and unique and valuable and worthy without having to be a thing in the world, without having to produce or perform. It was really a fundamental shift in identity from the mask self, from the false external to identifying with myself as a being, as a human being and not a human doing. Uh, recognizing that our essence is where our true value lies. There's nothing we have to prove. We don't have to perform. We don't have to earn our right to be here. That we have value simply because we were born worthy. That was the biggest wake up call to me of all. And, and the other piece of it, Valerie, is I always believed somehow that if I achieved the dream, if I ever got there, you know, if I made it to Broadway, that I would be a different person somehow, that the insecurity would fall off of me. But it came right along for the ride. It just morphed into imposter syndrome. And, and still there's looking around at, there's always some way in which we can feel like we're not enough, no matter how successful we are, no matter how much we achieve. And I've been in rooms now as a keynote speaker with very successful billionaires, with CEOs, and I have been stunned at how many of them come up to me sort of and pull me aside privately and sort of confess to me their own imposter syndrome, their own still feeling like, like they're not enough. They're not successful enough. They're looking at somebody else who's higher on the ladder. And I think it's one of the big diseases of our time. I, I talk about it as compare despair. It's so easy to look around and find some way that we're not measuring up, especially now with social media. So to me, the, the, the unmasking what matters, <laughs> the biggest piece of it to me is that it is the unmasking itself that matters the most. When we can get behind all of the external things that we think define us, that we think earn us the right to exist <laughs> or earn us accolades and or praise in the eyes of other people, when we can drop the mask and really connect with who we are on the inside, then we're home free. We stop trying to prove anything. We just get to show up and be who we are and love full out and live our lives in a way that's true to who we are. And we're not endlessly striving and seeking for something outside of ourselves. We can drop the, the hungry ghost that whispers, not enough, not enough. We can get off of the hamster wheel of drivenness and seeking and actually be present and look around and enjoy our lives. That is the biggest gift of all, to be able to actually be in your life and not miss it and enjoy it and find beauty and joy and stay grounded and present. Woo, that was long-winded. Oh, that was powerful. 
<laughs> Sandra, what a message we need today. And I, I couldn't agree more in the executive coaching that I do. You're right. It doesn't matter how much success people have. That isn't in itself going to bring joy. It might bring some ups. It might bring some, some uh, gifts, <laughs> financial reward. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry, look at Hollywood. Look at the sports people. They're gazillionaires. And they're most of them, many of them aren't happy. What a blessing that you found it, this, this depth of who you are coming from, as you just said, which surprises me and probably everyone listening, that you're really very shy. And here you are again out in the audience. Un, I loved it when you went <laughs> unmasked, unmasked. That's a message we need so desperately. Yes, I enjoyed. That was one of the tabs, actually, I had in the book was compare despair. I, I want to go um, to the, the area now of your life, which is such a joy. Tell us about Ron. Oh, sure. <laughs> so when I was um, in, gosh, my second or third year, or pretty early on in my run as Christine, we were playing, I was on the tour, the national tour, we were playing the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., and we got a new phantom, new actor came in to play the phantom, take over the role, and his name was Ron Bomer, and he and I had really great chemistry on stage. And as it turned out, off stage. And uh, several years after meeting and starring opposite each other as Phantom and Christine, we got married in real life. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I married the Phantom. <laughs> Talk about romance. How did he propose to you? Oh my goodness. He <laughs> brought me uh, pancakes. And when I, in a little thing of syrup, when I poured the syrup, a ring fell out on top of the pancake. Oh, <laughs> that is so awesome. Pretty gooey sweet. And we're, we continue to be gooey and sweet and ridiculous together. <laughs> years have you been married? 17 now, oh my gosh, 17. It's just such a great story. Another great story is someone very famous also that you met, Glenn Close. What happened there? Oh my goodness. She is just such a beautiful human being. When I was making my Broadway debut, I had a voice lesson that day. People are often surprised to, to learn that I continued studying, but it, it's not uncommon for Broadway actors to, to have a weekly voice lesson, singing lesson, or take an acting class. We, we like to keep working those muscles and make sure we stay in shape. So I went, uh, the day of my Broadway debut, I went to my teacher to get warmed up and have a, a lesson to sort of set me straight and get everything lined up for the evening. And my father came with me, uh, several of my family members flew to New York from Michigan to attend my debut. And 
it just so happened that right before my voice lesson, Glenn Close was having a voice lesson. She was at the time starring on Broadway in Sunset Boulevard and she was just brilliant in that show. And, and I was nervous that my dad would embarrass me and be all starstruck around her. But my dad, it turned out, was pretty calm, cool, and collected. And I was the one that was like, Glenn Close, I saw your, your show and you're so amazing. And I was tongue-tied and silly and whatever. Well, she could not have been more gracious and lovely. And when I got to the theater that night, I had, the voice, my voice, our mutual voice teacher told her that, oh, Sandra's making her Broadway debut in Phantom tonight. So I got to my dressing room and there was a huge bouquet of flowers from Glenn Close. Handwritten, she wrote the card herself. She walked to a florist, I guess, and signed. And she just wrote, welcome home, Glenn Close. Is that not the most generous, thoughtful, gracious, lovely thing to do? so moved by that and I, I've tried to remember that lesson of it meant so much to me that someone as famous and such a star but she's just such a heart-centered generous thoughtful person and and I hope to pay that forward well and you are too uh, it, isn't it interesting that Sandra the people that we think are the big ones, those famous ones, those successful ones, those billionaires, blah, 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 blah. They're often the most authentic. They don't have anything to prove. Mm. Yeah. Stories. Oh, my goodness. We could go on and on. Uh, here's a question for you. What's your brand? One word. Authenticity. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> that was too easy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. The the unmasking piece. It's it means the most to me. I I can't urge the audience enough to uh, go to your website, which we will put on the screen, and see the see so many of the things that you're now doing. Your keynote speech. It's incredible. It's moving. It's it's raw. It's edgy. It's fun. It's you. It's singing. It's um, I can't think of any keynote speaker that would be better received than than you are, Sandra. So just keep keep out there. Keep doing it. Let me ask you a couple more questions. Here's a hard one. So you're married all this time. You marry handsome Phantom who took his mask off and fell in love with you. What was the hardest little habit you had to stop when you got married? We all have them. Toothpaste, everyone says. What was yours? Mm, Ron and I have uh, a pretty... I, I, we're we're so ridiculously compatible. I'm trying to think of like if I had a habit that drove him crazy, or I don't know, Valerie. That is a tough question because really we've spent so much time apart in our marriage 
that because of working and he would be off for six months doing a show and we, we tried to always go no longer than three weeks apart um but i guess i just had to adjust to being without him and coming back together and when we were apart we would get into our own groove where we can each be very independent and i had to learn to compromise i guess when when we would come back together i know that's not super specific but just like I have my way of doing things, he has his way of doing things. I want the house a lot neater and cleaner than he does. <laughs> so I had to sort of chill out, loosen up a bit. Uh, but, but we always have felt so grateful to get to be together because we were apart so much of the time because of work. That, um, that, that really helps to, to smooth things out. <laughs> Beautiful story. And you have this new little puppy child named? His name is Rocky, yes. We, we have a sweet new baby in our lives. Um, he's very puppyish right now, and he is a handful, and we are not getting enough sleep. <laughs> but <laughs> What kind of dog little... is he, Sandra? He's a mini Australian Shepherd. Yeah, well, those... I'm a dog lover too. Most of us are these days. There's so many of us out there. I want to go back to uh, just sharing with the audience the book. <laughs> As you know, I ask you for your four or five lessons learned, teachable points of view. Well, they're right here, <laughs> and there's 10 of them. So I, I'm. What I love about that is, yes, there's 10, and you could probably write five more books. But um, things like uh, see behind the mask, of course, obey your instincts, say yes to your solo, need my glasses, rehearse the positive. What's so good about these is you've got to go get the book, audience. What's so good about these and the format of the book is that at the back, you always have questions to live by. That was very smart. <laughs> How did you know to do that? Oh, thank you. Well, I, the most important thing to me, as we've said, is, is to be authentic. And I never want to pretend that I have the, all the answers or any answers. I have more questions than answers. And one of my mentors and teachers and, and my very favorite author, actually, is, and poet is Mark Nepo. And Mark Nepo, in many of his books, uh, his probably his best known book is The Book of Awakening, which was one of Oprah's all-time favorite things. And he, he poses questions to his readers always and they sort of linger with me throughout the day. A lot of people read those passages in the Book of Awakening to start their day. And I just think it's, it's really valuable to give people questions that they can ponder and, and live with and see what their own heart wants to tell them. I'm not here to tell you what's right for you. But if I can plant a little seed by asking a question, then you have an opportunity to listen to your own inner wisdom. And that's where I think that the real value lies. It's, it's really, as I said, it's, it's, I mean, it's just a really um, 
well written and inspiring. Every page is inspiring because it's it's you, Sandra. It's just it oozes out your sincerity and genuineness um, oozes out into these pages. That's a good book. And that's what it is. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, I wish you all God's blessings. You know, the one thing I'll, I'll leave with going back to something you said is that if we can just hone into our be, our being, and that sounds so simple. It's what God says to us. I, I made you. I knew you from the moment you were in your mother's womb. I made you exactly the way I want you to be. Just come out into this world and be. And there's so many scriptures about that, just being. That's a great message for our time today and for our... Um, are unfortunately dissension that's going on all over the world, the pandemic, it's a tough time. So your book is inspiring, and that's what I want to leave with the audience with. And uh, just next time you are on stage somewhere near, and I know you are going to be in Dallas, I'll be there. Sandra, yes. thank you so much. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's been a joy talking with you. Mwah. Bye. And so, I want you to just visualize something now. I want you to picture this in your mind's eye about your brand and your presence. It really takes four things. It's simple. Your brand and your presence who you are deep in here and how you show up is about who you are, what you do, how you do it, and make me care. The fourth one is the hard one. I want you to think about that, reflect on that. Are you being authentic? Until next time, stay authentic, be real, go hug somebody, and if you have a pet, that's included. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.